Thank you very much. You may be seated. Thank you, PJ. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's pretty cool. Um, meeting PJ. Well, great to be with you. I said to someone I was actually um, with a, a client. Uh, so I, I do executive coaching outside of ministry and church work. And I was with a client actually uh, in Toowoomba a couple of weeks ago. And they asked me last year, I did their staff retreat. And uh, over a couple of days, and they asked me if I would do it again this year. And I said, it's actually a privilege when you're asked to do something one time. But it's an honor when you're asked to do it again. And I've been back here, and I thank Pastor Jeremy. For, I've been invited back many, many times. I love being here. I love seeing what's happening in the life and it's of this church. And it is an honor, uh, again, to be with you. And uh, praise God. Great to have time. With, uh, with the board yesterday, and great things ahead, man, exciting future for this church, really is, and uh, so, happy new year, uh, I mean, it's a little late now, we're already well into February, uh, but can you believe it, 2020, man, some of you thought you would never even be alive in 2020, but here you are, you made it, 2020, and um, <clears throat> Not only a new year, but it's a new decade, a new decade. And uh, hopefully, you know, over the journey, we, we are a little wiser from the journey and we know a little more. Um, and it's always good to, if you, if you know some stuff or you learn some stuff, it's always good to be able to apply it. Oh, in fact, I um, just kind of illustrate that. I, you know, I love good movies and, and I... I I love Liam Neeson movies. Yeah, so, yeah. So, and I, I think, because Liam Neeson uh, often takes down the bad guys. And as I have this strong sense of justice in me, and I, I just, I love it. You know, and one of my favourite movies is Taken, and where his, for those of you that don't know, uh, you know, this ungodly kind of genre, um, but they, <laughs> his daughter is kidnapped, and, and he tracks down these, these guys, and Liam Neeson was a former CIA operative. And so he finally managed to get a phone number and phones these guys, these kidnappers. <clears throat> and, uh, and they're iconic lines. I reckon most of the iconic lines in movies. And, and he goes, if you've seen the movie, he goes, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If it's ransom you're looking for, I can tell you, I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. <laughs> if you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I won't look for you. I won't pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So then, so then the thought is, how can you apply that, like that knowledge? So, I, you know, I know those lines. And I, I came up with this great thought. Have you ever heard telemarketers really bug you? <laughs> and they always ring right at dinner time or most, in, I'm sorry if you're a telemarketer. And, and um, particularly you get the ones from Indian call centres. Well, hello, Mr. Swinton. We have a deal for you. Oh, solar panels. You need solar panels on your roof, Mrs. Swinton. <coughs> I've now found the way to respond. I don't know who you are. <laughs> I don't know what you want. If it's money you're after, I can tell you I don't have any. <laughs> but what I do have are a very particular set of skills. <laughs> if you put the phone down now, that'll be the end of it. <laughs> Ah, so you got to, yeah, hopefully you learn some stuff and you can use it on the way. And, um, oh. Very good. Solved. So here we are, new year, new decade. I, I like new year. I, I like, there's something, I know, you can be very kind of blah about it. Oh, it's just another day, it's just another year, it's just, you know. But there's something about the opportunity for fresh beginnings. 
for to reset, to recalibrate. I mean, after all, God actually created days. He created time frames. God created seasons. And God is the God of new beginnings. And so I always think that a new year and particularly a new decade, it's always an opportunity to have a think and, uh, and to recalibrate, to reset. Often we think, and sure that some of you here have, and I, I have, I thought, this year, 2020, 2020 it's going to be different. I, I don't know about you, but for many people, for me, 2019 was anus to use the Queen's term from some years ago. But I've talked to so many people. I, uh, some of you would know Jeff and Dee from Happy Valley, and I was talking to Dee this morning, and, and uh, 2019 was just a terrible year for her, for them. And I've known so many people that 2019 was just... I was glad to see the back of 2019. And, uh, but I want to say to you this morning that, that sometimes we get, you know, we say that beginning of January and then here we are six weeks into the new year and we settle back into the old patterns and everything's the same. I want to say to you that if, if you want to change some things about life and reset and recalibrate, maybe you have to see some things in a different way. You know, it's all about, often it's about how we see stuff. I, I was thinking about this yesterday. When I was a kid in school, I learned this poem. What reminded me actually was the rain. We learned this poem in school, said Hanrahan. And if you remember this, we'll all be ruined, said Hanrahan. And the poem is quite a lengthy one. It's an Aussie poem. And, and it starts out, it's drought and it's dry and we'll all be ruined, said Hanrahan. And, and it's all just negative. Next thing, rains come and there's some floods and we'll all be ruined, said Hanrahan. And it didn't matter what happened, we'll all be ruined, said Hanrahan. And of course, we all know it's Scott Morrison's fault um, uh, because, you know, if he hadn't had a holiday in Hawaii, none of this would have happened. Uh, <laughs> So it's important to see things clearly. And uh, so I want to talk this morning about, about seeing things clearly. Uh, we were talking a little bit about this on the board yesterday, I think it was morning tea time, and saw uh, Peter was, was, we were out here having a cuppa, and Peter was trying to read something. He left his glasses in the car, and, and, and he's got this trick. <laughs> and uh, so the truth is, as you get a bit older, sometimes your eyesight changes and it's, it's not as good. And so I want to talk about your eyesight this morning. And 2019, as I said, and for me personally, was a very difficult, challenge, challenging, painful year. Um, but in hindsight now, I, it actually changed the way I see some things for the better. And if you're going to create a new you, and can I say, if you want to have a new future or create something different for the future, it actually is about creating a new you and seeing things, as I said, seeing things differently, seeing the way maybe, maybe you see yourself, or maybe, 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 maybe the way you see your life. No, <laughs> maybe the way you see your life. Some of you didn't even realise I'd made that mistake. Um, <laughs> Because we all see through life through certain filters and through certain lenses. And there's a moment in the life of Jesus where they brought a blind man to him. And, and this, this moment, this experience, this incident is kind of a little bit of a story about his journey towards, towards sight. And this story is from Mark chapter 8, verses 22 to 25. Mark okay, 8, 22 to 25, they came to Bethsaida and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, spit on the man's eyes, that's, I find that disturbing, but we'll come back to that later. Um, Jesus asked, do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they're out. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and 
Then his eyes were open, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. He saw everything clearly. I want just this morning to talk to you about three lenses that will change the way you see, transform your ability to see clearly and to see a future that is ahead of you, to see, because, let me say this, the way you see things, the way you see things is almost predictive as to whether this year will be different to last year. Now, the stuff we cannot change, the stuff that happens that we have no control over, but I want to say the way we see things can make a world of difference. So let me give you three, three lenses. One, excuse me, the first one I want to talk about is what I would call the lens of optimism. The lens of optimism. Seems simplistic, but optimism will change the way you see reality. Now, there are people who go, well, that doesn't sound, that's not very biblical. That's, you know, we should only talk about faith. This optimism stuff, that's just human. Put up your hand if you're human. Okay, that applies to you then. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually heard that, Trev. Yeah. <laughs> but I know a lot of people who have faith, but they're not very optimistic. And I think maybe the, the reason, one of the reasons is that, that our faith is more of a noun than a verb. We have faith in God, we have faith in Jesus, we have faith in the Bible, and, and that's really important. And, and, but it's more of a belief. It's more of a noun than it is something active. And, and, and that faith anchors you, and that's really important, but it doesn't elevate you. It doesn't elevate you. And it's odd, I think. It's odd when people say, well, I'm a person of faith, but they're so pessimistic. <coughs> I don't understand how you can be so cynical and pessimistic and yet live by faith. But we pull it off and we do it really well, actually. <laughs> I mean, you hear people say, I believe in God. He's on the throne. Oh, the world is falling apart. <laughs> Things are hopeless. Jesus is our hope. Which one is it? I, I, I was thinking a while back, I'm, I'm wired to be optimistic. But I've realised actually that's been a rewiring. I wasn't always optimistic. And, and this is a biblical pattern, and I don't have time, it's another whole, another whole message. Well, we could do it if you're optimistic enough to get out of here by 12. Um, <laughs> no, but the truth is, the truth is that the whole principle and truth that's in the word about the renewing of our mind, which changes the way we think, and there's a physiology, it's not just some magic, it's not just some spiritual hocus pocus. There's actually a physiology. When you think a certain way, it creates what they call neural pathways in your brain. It's a chemical pathway. And in time, as you think things enough, it's like it's the default pathway. That's where the current flows. That's how you think. It's automatic. And I realized that over the years, because I made decisions, I made choices years ago about the way I would think and the way I would see things, and I realized that over time, that renewed my mind, and it's, it's changed the way I think. It's changed the way I see things. Optimism is not about ignoring problems. Pessimists think, you know, oh, optimists, oh, they just, yeah, they don't see the reality. It's, it's not just, it's not denial. Optimism is not just thinking, oh, everything will be okay. It's quite funny because pessimists, and the truth is if we were to do an analysis here, there will be both parties here this morning. Bow your heads, close your eyes, don't point. All right. Uh, see, pessimists, though they say, it's quite funny, because though they say everything, it's like Hanrahan said, it will all be ruined. They see everything as bad, and yet why is it they are often shocked when things go bad? 
And they get, they get angry. I told you. I knew that was going to happen. Well, if you knew, why are you angry? <laughs> why didn't you prepare? <laughs> because let me tell you, pessimism is more than just thinking bad is going to happen. It's a posture. It's an attitude. It's a posture that, to be honest, it's a, it's a faith posture that almost ensures, it's a negative faith posture, that almost ensures that bad will happen because you're believing in a negative future. So you do not make the choices that can change how you move forward. I think optimism is an active faith posture. Here's something, like even if you don't, even if you don't buy that, his research tells us this, and this is medical proven research over quite some years now, that optimists actually have a 35% chance to live a longer life. They have a 35% chance of wanting to be alive. Better chance. They have a 35% higher probability of having good physical health and a 35% likelihood of having better mental health. Interesting. So even if optimists are wrong, they come out in front. <laughs> because of the way they see life. I hope that wasn't a comment on my uh, preaching. <laughs> Listen, see, the challenge is that pessimism can seem like realism. can seem like being real. And you don't think that you're pessimistic. Oh, I'm just looking at reality. But it's the lens through which you see reality and how you interpret reality. If we had time this morning, and I won't, but we, we could go to Numbers chapter 14. It's one of the classic examples in Scripture of this very issue. So 12 spies are sent by Moses into the, the promised land, the destiny that God has for them. And many of you know the story. They come back and... They all see the same thing, physically. But they come back with very different reports. And how they've translated, the ten are effectively pessimists and they are negative in terms of their faith. And the two, Joshua and Caleb, come back with a positive report. They acknowledge and they didn't deny the reality there were giants in the land and everything else, but they saw it differently. They saw it differently. And optimists have a particular way, I think, of relating to life and the future. And it's not that they're shocked when things go wrong. It's not that they think, you know, oh, I thought everything was going to work out. Optimists know that things are going to go bad sometimes. Things aren't always going to work out. That There are going to be problems. There are going to be obstacles. And, and it's not a denial of the difficulties and the challenges of life. But I think it's believing that those issues are not life-defining. They may bring change. And they may present major challenge and difficulty and grief and loss. But they're temporary in terms of having a permanent negative impact upon my life. I think when I was here in June... June, July, when I was here last, I, I think I, I preached, I just didn't mind, but I think I preached from Psalm 84, verse 5 and 6, or mentioned it in my preaching, where the scripture says about, about um, walking through the valley of Baca, the place of weeping, and it says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, who, who are, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, who passing through the valley of weeping... Make it a place of springs. And, and the point of that is they're passing through. That's what I touched on, I think. If I didn't preach it, I'll preach it some other time because it's a really good message. Um, <laughs> the point being that we all pass through the valleys of weeping and the places of back And Some of you this morning might go, well, that's all right for you. You, you know, you don't know. Maybe you haven't had, you don't know my life. There are a handful of you here that do. And the journey of my life and the fact that I live Every day of my life, 
with, with this constant sense of loss and grief because of certain circumstances in my life. But I've just determined that I'm walking through this valley. I'm not camping there. I'm not staying there. I've got my heart set on doing the journey, heart set on pilgrimage. It's how you see it. See, problems and difficulties and challenges are the opportunity to elevate your game, to prove what you're made of. I wonder if you're here in this morning. And the reason maybe you're not moving forward in your life is because you don't believe that your future can be different to your past. And you have a pessimistic and maybe cynical view of the future. See, it's interesting. Even when these men, these people bring this blind man to Jesus and it's a difficult, impossible situation, it needs a major intervention of God, but there's a hope that life can be better. That something can change. And of course, it does. And optimists, I think, just don't surrender their life to the reality of current circumstances. So what if you move forward into this year and into this decade with the lens of optimism? Believing that inside of you there is the gifting and there is the talent and there is the intelligence and there is the determination and there is the strength to overcome whatever you're going to face ahead. And that in spite of that, you will fulfill the God purpose in your life, even in the midst, even in the midst of life's most difficult moments. I think optimism is believing that God has placed within you everything you need to live the life that he created you to live. And even when you have those times, and we all have them, when you realize that life is bigger than you can handle. You ever had those moments? (laughs) And uh, it's bigger than you. And you've run out of strength. And you feel you can't take one more step. But I think an optimist, the person with that active faith, knows that there's a God who is there with you and he's going to pick you up and he will carry you forward and he's never going to abandon you. And I think there's this powerful force unleashed when you live a life of optimism fueled by faith. Nothing can stop you. I'm going to believe as I move forward into 2020 and into this decade that this is going to be the most productive and fruitful year of my life. Actually, I believe Romans 8.28. If we believe that God works all things together for the bad of those... No, no, what does it say? For the good. And I've used, you know, referred to this statement of Pastor Brian Houston's many times, the best is yet to come. And I believe that. The best is yet to come. It may be different. So how are you going to see life and the world around you as you move further forward into 2020? Because this is one of the most critical lenses to transforming the way you see and how you live life. And optimism will help put color and vibrancy back into your life. In fact, there's a, uh, without, without, it, without optimism, with, it's like everything's black and white. Zach, if you just put up that. Oh, Zeke, sorry, Zach, Zeke, oh, what's it matter, technicalities. <laughs> so, by the way, that, that photo, black and white there, just and hit the next one. Yeah, now, you guys need a new projector, by the way. Because <laughs> that actually, in reality, is very vibrant and colourful and it's just, it's not far from where I live and I went for a walk one morning, this was a few months ago, and just took this photo, but, but the truth is that pessimism will let, cause you to live in black and white. You'll lose the vibrancy, you'll lose the colour, you'll lose the excitement, but God wants you to live full colour. Hallelujah. Thanks, Zeke, Zach, Zechariah, Ze- everybody else. Thank you. <laughs> Zephaniah. <laughs> the second lens I want to talk about is the lens of opportunity. Lens of opportunity. 
Have you ever had your day planned out or your week planned out and it's in your schedule, it's in your diary, you've got it all mapped out, oh yeah, this is going to be a productive day and then stuff happens or people happen. Oh, someone happens. I was, uh, I was in a meeting in Melbourne uh, late, I think it was late last year. I'd been to a meeting and, and I um, was due to leave late afternoon and I had another guy, uh, senior leader in our movement, was with me. We went into the Qantas Lounge and we were talking there and then because of some weather systems in Sydney, <clears throat> who would live in Sydney when you can choose Stanthorpe? Um, and uh, like the weather in Sydney was shocking. In fact, Mildura in Victoria Airport got closed because of dust storms. I mean, there were flights delayed, flights cancelled, and it was really inconvenient. Very unthoughtful. So at that point, you've got the choice, and I'm with this other leader, and as it turned out, like I could have gotten very frustrated, annoyed, and but it turned out to be a God opportunity because this leader was going through some stuff and we sat and talked for two hours. And it turned out to be a God opportunity. And I think often there are interruptions. Do you ever get interruptions? <laughs> oh. and, and there are inconveniences that if we put on a different lens, if we look through a different lens, very often they can be opportunities. Life is filled with interruptions. Life's filled with inconveniences. And a couple of years back, uh, well, even earlier last year still, I'd had three or four years probably of life at a maxing out at a stress level. Most of it was stuff that was beyond my control. And I realised that over time, some stuff had shifted in the way I was seeing things. And I began... And I'm a people person, I love people most days. And, um, <laughs> but I began to see when if somebody would call me or somebody would talk, go to talk to me or wanted time with me, I began to see it as an interruption and an inconvenience. I realised that some stuff had shifted negatively in terms of the way I was seeing things. And do you ever notice that nearly every time you meet a human being, they, they interrupt your life. It's like, I, I know people, people are wonderful. Humans are great. I mean, they're a wonderful species. I mean, I'm really for them. <laughs> but people so often create obstacles and interruptions and inconveniences in your life. And, and in this story of Jesus... In this story of Jesus, these people who were friends of the blind man, they, they bring their blind friend to Jesus and they had not made an appointment. They had not made an appointment. Didn't they know that Jesus was on a mission? Didn't they know he had a big agenda? He had stuff to do that was really important and he didn't need to be interrupted by the needs or the problems of one person. In fact, as you read through the Gospels and you look at the life of Jesus, you will discover that most of the miracles that Jesus did were not pre-planned or scheduled. It actually... Today, I think I will heal a blind man. 10 a.m., 11 a.m., uh, we'll cast out some demons. Uh, <laughs> no, it didn't work that way. In fact, as you read through the Gospels, you discover that most of the time it reads like this, and I could give you, but we don't have time. You can, if you don't believe me, check it out. As they were going to, somebody interrupted him. Time and again, as they were going somewhere, doing something, on the way to somewhere, and isn't that life? We're always on the way to somewhere, we're doing something, and then there's inconvenient people that interrupt us. And yet on every occasion, there were opportunities for blessing. And I want to encourage you this morning, and, and of course, well, before I say that, 
And the disciples, and there's one occasion, some of you remember where people were bringing their children to Jesus because they wanted him to bless them. And, and the disciples, no, that's not in Jesus' schedule. He's too busy. No. And they tried to send them away. And Jesus said, no, and suffer the little children, come unto me. And, and he blessed them. And I want to encourage you to, as you move forward into this year, begin to look through the lens of opportunity as opposed to the lens of inconvenience and interruption. Because some of those inconveniences, some of those interruptions, many of them can be opportunities to be a blessing. Be a blessing. Sometimes we need to check, the, again, the lens, the filter we look through because things get tinted sometimes. And if we could have that next picture up, oh, is that, yes. Is that the good one, isn't it? Yes. Oh, here we go. Here we go. See that? It's got a tint to it. And sometimes when you, sometimes when you look through a certain lens, everything is tinted the same colour. Doesn't matter what happens, you see pink, or you see whatever colour it might be in terms of the experiences of life, and and you need to look through lens of opportunity so you can see clearly. The third lens, and the final one that I want to talk about this morning, is one that we so easily look through, but if you want to see clearly, you can't afford to wear this lens. It's the lens of offense. Oh yeah. Because this will change the way you see things more than just about anything else. And you will struggle to see the future clearly because offense will blur your vision. We can have that last, the next one, the last one, last picture there if we can. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. You guys really do need to do something about this projector because it's like, it's, I think I'll take up an offering now. <laughs> And there's nothing worse than seeing life blurred. Nothing worse if you wear glasses or, you know, and, and you've got a bit of grease or something on them because it blurs everything. And some people live their life looking through a blurry lens. And one of the reasons is, and more than anything else, what will blur your vision and even sometimes blind you is a lens of offense. We increasingly live in a culture of offense. Man, everybody is offended about everything. And I'm offended that you're offended. <laughs> okay, I, I see your offense and I'll raise that. <laughs> That's the reality. And of course, the media, they simply highlight this, this attitude of offense. And can I just encourage you, and I'm sure most of you, already feel the same way as I do, don't believe what you see and read in the media. Yeah. Honestly, I know too much, and I've been involved in too many things that I see reported in the media, and it's absolute rubbish. Thank you. Oh, there's an element or a kernel of truth, but then it's twisted and distorted and blurred because they want you to see things a certain way. Be discerning. But our culture, because of this lens of offence through which everything now is seen, we, we have the result of a society that is increasingly becoming so judgmental, so opinionated, so unkind. The vitriol we see is almost unbelievable. But can I just say that if we, even at an individual level, harbour offence and hang on to offence, we will also become unkind. We will also become uh, judgmental. We will also become opinionated. And if we go back to this story for a minute, it's interesting. This story that we read of Jesus. So they bring the blind man to Jesus and, and Jesus takes him by the hand, leads him out of the village, which is interesting. And then <clears throat> he spit on the man's eyes. Now, just, just let, let me just say, that feels wrong. And I hope there's nobody here weird enough to say, well, that's how Jesus did it. That's how I'm going to do it. 
those of you that probably don't, most of you wouldn't know, but I'm, I sit on the National Safer Churches panel for our movement and, uh, and I'm the State Safer Churches officer or whatever amongst other things I do and don't do this, okay? I don't want to have to deal with a complaint. Um, and there's always some people who say, well, see, it's in the Bible. <laughs> no, don't, don't spit on people, okay? Don't spit on people. Um, there's something really weird about spit. Sorry, can I just digress a moment? I just think there's something really weird about spit. I mean, right now your mouth is full of spit. And, uh, and it's your spit, so you're okay with it. Uh, in fact, you're swallowing your own spit quite regularly. And in fact, have a moment. You're thirsty? No, I mean, it's just... Uh, and it's only bothering you now because I'm pointing it out. <laughs> yeah, no, my pleasure. Um, but it's a funny thing, isn't it? Because, like, if you were to spit out your spit and put it in a glass, you wouldn't want to drink your own spit, would you? No, because there's something funny about it. Once it's out, it's like it's not mine. <laughs> And, and, and if that's how I feel about my spit, can you imagine how I feel about yours? Um, and and I, I find it amusing because historians and theologian, theologians, theologians often kind of, I think, spiritualize even this. When Jesus, it was the spittle of Jesus. Spittle... Use the word spittle because it sounds more epic. It sounds a little less, you know, the spittle of Jesus. And it was divine spittle. Now, Jesus was fully human and fully God. And this was human spit. Spittle. <laughs> it was... Yeah. PJ, you really need just get a little... Yeah, little, yeah you've been hanging around the, young, the youth group too much. Um, <laughs> And, and so you've got to realise, so the blind guy, I mean, when you're blind, you're blind, you're not deaf. In fact, you're really good at listening. I have a friend, I have a friend who, um, 69 years of age, who was a high executive in, in 3M company in his 40s, and in his late 40s, or during his 40s, early 40s, went totally blind. But he's an amazing inspiration. I mean, he, he runs, does a 5K run every Saturday morning. Um, he trained and did 10, the 10K in the Gold Coast Marathon last July. He did 10K run. He has, has someone in front of him. <clears throat> yeah, I just, he's just an inspiration because he hasn't let this stuff stop him. Seriously. But, but the truth is that if you're blind, you're not deaf. In fact, usually your other senses are more highly tuned. And so you're good at listening. And so this guy, you're hearing Jesus spit and moving towards you. That's unsettling. And you can't run. <laughs> and then he puts spit on the man's eyes. And of course, if you're blind, you also have a keen sense of touch and feel. Hmm. And Jesus asked him, do you see anything? I think probably the question should have been, do you feel anything? Uh, but do you see anything? And, and he says, I, I see men like trees walking. Let me ask this question. Is it possible you have been touched by God but can still not see clearly? Is it possible that you've had an encounter with God, that Jesus has touched you, but you're still not seeing your life and your future and God's purpose with clarity? And it's like life is a blur to you, and that's why you feel sometimes maybe so lost and confused. And because we read once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes, and he then saw everything clearly and Here's the point. <clears throat> what if he had walked away offended by Jesus? I tell you, if Trevor comes and spits in my eye, <laughs> we'd both be grossed out. Yeah, we'd both be grossed out. I mean, seriously. <laughs> I 
probably go blind. I mean, that's it. No. <laughs> How many of you know the guy could have easily gotten a fan? Who do you think you are spitting in my face? Wow. And he could, in that moment, it was an option, hey. He could have walked away angry and offended. And I think there are often people who have become offended with God because God did not behave the way we expected him to behave. He didn't come through the way we thought he would or the way we thought he should. You, you prayed and it didn't happen and, and we walk around maybe angry and offended and half blind and our vision blurred because we walked away because God was, before God was finished with us. See, sometimes we want God to be a magician. To do his magic trick and change everything in an instant. Oh, we love the instant. I love stuff happening quickly. You remember computers, like back when you first got, some of you first got your first computer? We thought it was wonderful. And it would take forever. You go make a cup of coffee while it booted up a particular program. Cook dinner. <laughs> Come back after you've done the dishes and, you know, like, but we thought it was fantastic. These days, if it's not loaded up in a split second, we're frustrated. It's like dial-up internet. Remember that? <laughs> oh, beep, oh, beep, oh. Yeah, you know, whatever it was. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I could make a call if somebody was on the line. And yeah. And we, we sometimes want God to fix everything in an instant. But let me tell you, God, God is a God of relationship. And most of what God does in our lives is not instantaneous. It's a process of relationship where God has to touch us over and over again. Don't get offended by God. Be like the blind man and stay. Lean back in. Let him touch you again. So we sometimes get offended with God, but mostly we get offended by people. I know that's a revelation for many of you. <laughs> oh, most of us are offended with each other. Uh, do you know someone who's always offended? Like there are those, don't point. But they're always, maybe it's, maybe it's someone in your family or a friend or someone, you know, they're always offended and people are walking around on eggshells because they don't want to, you know, it's like, oh, you say it the wrong way and they're suddenly upset and offended. And, or maybe it's you. Some people live with the posture. And it's kind of this attitude almost that says, uh, you're going to offend me, it's just a question of when. <laughs> and there's a truth in that, but how many of you know if you live with that outlook, that's not healthy. And I want you to realize that if you're a person who is easily offended, you cannot step wholeheartedly into the future that God has prepared for you to live. Because offense will blind you like nothing else. And the best way to protect your future is to refuse to be offended. Now, that's really hard. It's actually a choice. Now, we're going to feel upset, we're going to feel hurt, we're going to feel angry because people will do stuff, say stuff, I don't have many superpowers. But one thing, actually, as a result of a choice I made decades ago, it was in the first three years of ministry, and somebody, surprise, surprise, offended me. Man, they really went for me. And I made a decision as I worked through the pain of that scenario that and I've preached on this here in times past, Proverbs 4.23 is one of my life verses. Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of your life. And it's, it's about, one of the things is about not letting offence get into your heart and carrying unforgiveness. Because, and I think, 
one of the reasons I, I came to that conclusion, I've realised over the years, I've, I've realised the damage that it does to me. And the funny thing is that the people who offend me, they're fine. They just move on with their life and offend some other people. <laughs> and unforgiveness, unforgiveness is like an acid. And it corrodes the container that carries it. Yes, and I'm sure some of you will have heard this analogy. <clears throat> Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Could you imagine? I mean, so th because this is how it works. It's bizarre in our thinking. Imagine you now if Peter offends me or upsets me and... And so I carry this offence against Peter. And yeah, see, Peter, I'm offended at you. And he's gotten on with life and I'm drinking this poison, this acid and expecting. It's not having any effect on him. Guess who it's affecting? It's affecting me. We're all hurt. We're all upset by different things in life. It's not fair, but you have to decide what impact or effect or lasting result that will have on you. And people who live offended are easily defeated. When you are easily offended and you live with offense, you, are so, you become more fragile and it will limit your own capacity. Because you lose the ability have greater impact and influence on the world around you if you're easily offended. You, your inability to forgive will limit your capacity in so many ways. It'll limit your capacity for intimacy. It'll limit your capacity for friendships and relationships. Uh, offense limits your capability and your capacity to be, to be fully alive and to be fully uh, focused on your future and to trust another human being and to be a trusted person. Like there are so many limitations if you carry offence. So if you're a person who is easily offended or you've been offended, and we all have been, like if you have not ever been offended, I would love to meet you because <laughs> I'd love to have a crack at it. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. So just forgive. Put it behind you. Work through it. Because nothing will destroy your sight. Nothing will destroy your 2020 vision more than having and living an offended life. So put on the lens of no offense. So I, as I finished this morning, and Jan, if you ask the minstrel to return to the minst. Uh, <laughs> So let's, can I encourage you, let's make 2020 the year where we use the lens of optimism. Where, where we choose the lens of opportunity. And where we choose the lens of no offence. Where we look for the good in people, we believe the best in people. You can't have a new you in the new year without without there being change and trying to become a new you all by yourself is impossible it's, in fact that's why Jesus came because we need God can I encourage you today trust Him we all need His forgiveness and His help and His love and His joy reach out to him today that's see that's why Jesus stepped into human history so he could change your future change your future just bow your head just close your eyes for a moment just take this moment to think about how you see you to see in vivid colour with clarity 
wants you to choose the lens of opportunity. And even in the midst of inconvenience and interruptions, to change the way you see it. And in changing the way you see it, suddenly more opportunities open up. The influence and effect of your life If our welcome team could get ready to take up, we want to take up a generous love gift for for Pastor Gary, so if we can get ready for that. Uh, Whenever we have a guest with us, a guest ministry, we love to just be a blessing. So if you haven't come prepared, you can write a little IOU down. The church will honour that. And if you can honour that over the next seven days, next Sunday when you're here, if that's easy, or online is fine as well. We just want to be a blessing to Pastor Gary. We'll do that in a moment. The month of February... Uh, We're updating all of our records. And so we now have a database online. So Pete and Anita, who's gone down to help with the kids today, uh, are going to be available to capture your details. So if you're part of our church, if this is your home and we didn't see you 